With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. My name's Kevin Graham, and welcome to the studio-based Screamer Celica. We were out of our brain on the live stream for a wee while there, but now they've plonked me on a scooter, and it's going to be studio-based. It's a bit different. We're going to have guests in to talk about their journey, their Celtic games, but all, but they're not just all Celtic fans. Uh, today, we've got, we're joined by a Dundee United fan, but today we're actually going to go from 1990... Naughty. So it's a whole decade of fun <laughs> for Screamer Celica today. My guest today <clears throat> is author, general good lad, Johnny Proctor. Johnny, how are you getting on? Good afternoon. I'm all good, mate. Pleased to meet you. It's great to have you, it's great to have you into the studio. We've been trying to get this done, done for a wee while. Now the COVID thing's lifting, we can, we, we can actually do it, eh? What do you think of this Aladdin's cave of memorabilia? Last podcast I'd done, and I had a great, great time doing it. I was in a cave 
in the below the streets of Dundee, and I feel like I'm in a museum this time around. I mean, it's like you know, polar opposite. Mm-hmm. I'm already like got my eye on a few pieces that okay, now can be mines, but I'm gonna dream. <laughs> We may have to fight each other for the one shoe. Aye, for the, the Adidas top there, but, out there, aye, you know, aye. We'll need to check you on the way out. Winner gets out. <laughs> check your pockets on the way out. Aye, uh, no joking, mate. You did, you did actually mention there you're a Dundee United fan, and we didn't have any Dundee United stuff. Uh, we've got nearly every other team um, in the Scottish Premier League, but we don't seem to have any Dundee United stuff. So if anybody wants to send us Anything whatsoever he done the United, we will we will put it in. We will, well, we will get it in. I'll get I'll get this to the troops. Somebody's going to have something. Even I go, even I end up destroying the last top of putting the dry, and I've obviously just blew the sponsor in the back, so you can't wear it anymore. So I'll uh, I'll put the call it. Aye, definitely. <laughs> now, as I says, we're going from ninety to naughty. And we're going to have a look at. You've got your Zico trilogy that that you've that you've that you've written. Yeah. So it begins in 1990. The next book's 96. Then the final book of the trilogy is 90. So what we've actually done is we've picked three games from each of those years. Um, first one to start with is the 13th of January 1990, the first game of the new decade. Celtic travel to Tanadice, and it's a massive decade. When you actually look back at it now, the amount of things that shaped the world that we currently live in yeah. that happened in that decade uh, is utterly is unbelievable. I, I mean, the day the day that game against Celtic started the decade, you couldn't have imagined what the next ten years was going to be filled by. You know, you were at the very start of it, mm-hmm. uh, and it was good that we got off to a win. <laughs> yes, yeah, aye. Well, I did give. I, I thought since you were the first guest, yeah. I says we'll give you a one to start off with. <laughs> I mean, Dundee United are still a force at this point. I mean, for me and you growing up in the eighties, Dundee United were the Jim McLean Dundee United. You're only three years since you were in the UEFA Cup final at this aye. point, and the majority there's still there's still some of this team. That day that played in, in that there. played in that UEFA Cup. I mean, the Dundee United team that day was Alan Main, Van der Horn, Malpass, McAnally, Karopovic, if I says that wrong, <laughs> Dave Neri, who was signed with Dundee United in 1973, which is which is really Aye. still quite blows my mind. John Clark, Kevin Gallagher, Darren Jackson, Paddy Connolly, and Mixu Patalainen. Aye, I mean, there's players there. Uh, there is. There, 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 uh, like. For somebody like me, growing up in the 80s, if somebody says, name a Dundee United team, there's a lot of names in there, I'll go, that's the Dundee United team Aye. that I actually remember, eh? Aye. Going to Tanadice for Celtic, there's a stat in this, I don't know if you can this stat, eh? Celtic, when they turned up to Tanadice this day, had only won twice in their last 17 vin- ma- uh, visits, visits to, to Tanadice. Didn't know that. That wow. shows you the power of Dundee yeah, United yeah. at that point. To be fair, now that you mention it, it's me being a young Arab starting to go, losing to Celtic at Tannadice. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I t- losing to Celtic at Tannadice wasn't a thing. To be fair, losing at Tannadice to anybody was generally not a thing either because we were so good back then. But uh-huh. <laughs> Well, considering we're living in a age where, need that you're aware, if you're a stats man, that we've no one at Parkhead since 1992. Uh-huh. So... When I saw that start, I went, that's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. If, if you say to the younger generation now, 
They were going, nah, you're talking rubbish. He goes, no, we're not talking rubbish. I, I, I went to my first game in 1981. And grow, growing up during the 80s and going to watch Celtic, mainly at home, at Celtic Park during, during the 80s, I can hardly ever remember us beating Dundee United. I can always remember Dundee United coming to Celtic Park and getting a one nothing victory. Yeah. One of my one of my earliest memories of going to Celtic Park is Dundee United beating us. And whoever scored, I really wanted the person to score. In my mind, the guy that scored was always David Odds. But I've checked back the records and no, David uh, couldn't have been David's odds. But whoever scored jumped to advertising boards, ran past the wee disabled cars, the wee blue cars, to the pocket of Dundee United fans in their way. Right. And, they, and I can, if I shut my eyes, I can picture that clearly. Was that a midweek I'll, game? Or I can't actually nah, remember. It's, it's, my, my memory when the games are that old, yeah, I mean, I'm the same as you. It's like a vaguely, but even then, if it was before 83, chances are I maybe. Uh, I may, I maybe never seen it, but uh, aye. I mean, the one I'll always remember vaguely is the three-two midweek game that literally won us the league. Uh-huh. You know, everything changed if you beat us that night. But aye. it didn't. We'd be, I think we got a guy sent off, and him and, and we beat you three-two, and then it just set us up to set you up for the for the league title aye, in, in aye. 1983. But I do believe we yeah. wouldn't have won the league if we'd got beat you, that you, night. You look at that early period where you've got Alex Ferguson at Aberdeen, Jim McLean at Dundee United, Billy McNeil at Celtic. I mean, they're a big three, and at yeah. this point, Rangers are no mentioned no. because Rangers, but Rangers are no a force, or uh, they're no a force until Sunas arrives and. Mm-hmm pours, their money pours into Scottish football and completely kills the game. Completely kills the Scottish Aye. game. It wasn't a revolution, it was absolutely a bludgeoning to Aye. death I mean, of Scottish football. When I first started following Scottish football, I mean, clearly, it's made out that Rangers are a big, you know, a big team. You can see it all over the papers, but it's a seven-year-old kid, and you just everyone's mere black and white basic and you look at the table and you look mm-hmm. at the fact your team beat them 5-2 the last time and I'm like I couldn't quite understand until that first day at Tannadice when Sunas had arrived and suddenly the way end that couldn't be filled mm-hmm. had changed from filled and then Rangers fans in your end as well and it was like what's going on here? I always laugh uh, I always laugh now when I hear a certain generation of Rangers fans saying natural order has been restored <laughs> and I'm going well when I was growing up in the 80s natural order was used finishing fifth was... <laughs> That's, that was natural order uh, but yeah you're right guys like Ferguson and uh, Jim McLean I mean I, did, I think Rangers may have tried to get both they definitely tried to get McLean and I mean I think he came that close he did to go in it Literally, didn't he turn up for the match on the Saturday? We gave it to the caretaker whilst he just got his got his head together. And is that it's a parallel universe? One that what would have happened? Sliding doors, if, uh, if, if Jim McLean would have ended up at Ibrox. You know, I'd, I would have loved to have seen him go to England, like mm-hmm. Fergie, and just see how it went. Because you know what, how it worked out for Fergie, and I, I believe those two managers were. They were basically their nemesis, is it? They no, like, definitely. You, know, yeah. you could argue they were like on an equal level, and Fergie went on to become one of the best managers we've ever ever seen. Definitely. And, uh, Jim McLean just stayed loyal, but to the detriment of his career, possibly. Yeah, but you know, you never know. 
It's a shame. I mean, we'll move on, but it's a shame that everybody of a younger generation only seems to remember Jim McLean for the YouTube clip, <laughs> like when he punches the, when he Aye. punches the, the reporter. Aye. And again, for me, that's like the Brian Clough clip. If you grew when up in the smart, uh, when when he's when he's hitting the guy when he's hitting the fans on the park, you go, that wasn't Brian Clough. Then you've got you're a writer yourself, I'm a bit of a creative myself, then you've got the, the, the ones that believe the damned United is true to fact. And aye, you go, no, it's a fictional tale it's... of of uh, a a reality thing, but it's fictional. That is no Fair Brian right. Clough. Exactly, yeah. But when you see the actual footage, that's all you can go by. I feel better sweet about that for McLean because I didn't want that to be the thing people would remember him from. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, I thought it was brilliant what he did as well. <laughs> like, I'm only going to lie, yeah. There, there, seems, there, <laughs> there seems to be the two things that keep on bring, get brought up about Jim McLean is 25-year contracts and £17 pound a week and, pun, and, and, punching, the, and uh, punching the reporter. Eh? And you go, that's not how, how Jim McLean should no. be actually remembered. That's you, not you, I, I think you speak to any of those players that played under him. I mean, I don't know if you're aware, but we've just unveiled a, a bronze statue at Tanadice. All right. Uh, of him. It's been in the works for a while. It got launched the day before the derby. It's, and given it its due, it's actually a bronze statue that looks like the person. You know, like, Brilliant. You know, it's not like a Ronaldo one at the Madeira Airport or anything, but <laughs> it's, it looks good. And he's holding, uh, he's holding the, league, the league trophy. Uh, and, like, you know, you ask all those guys how, if it wasn't for him, you know, the career wouldn't, we, we, we wouldn't have been what it was. Eh? Definitely. Uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back to Tanadice again. Uh, it's one of our favourite away days. And which it seems bizarre, obviously, Tanadice and Dens is on the same street. You can get a ticket for Dens, no problem. Trying to get a ticket for Tanadice as an away fan is, right, is completely... Uh, we go to the same pubs, mm-hmm. we do everything the exact same, but Tanadice actually just seems more... Trying to get a ticket for the shed... At Tanadice yeah. and their way end is unbelievable. That's, aye, I, I've heard that for you, I've heard it for Aberdeen fans, Hearts fans. Me personally, I, I've been in the shed once in the past 20 years for a cup game. I suppose you guys aren't sitting down anyway, are you? No, we're you're not. You're standing no, the whole no, time. No, no, we're not. Which is fine because you can't sit down in the shed because... You, you can't sit down in like the jet... It's like an easy jet flight or you, something. You can't sit down in the jerry care either. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, so I, but no, I hear it a lot. It's like you're saying, it's a good... Good amount of pubs. You can walk to the ground for the train station for the pubs. It's a lot of people do tend to miss it. Uh, it was one of the way days that we. It's one of the way days that we missed mm-hmm. when you did get relegated. Eh? I was going, oh no, we've lost Tanadice. Oh no, we've still got to go to Dingwall. <laughs> like, <it's> funny, <laughs> a lot of people think that same way. You see on Twitter, you know, like a, a lot of people wanted. In the disrespect to the teams, a lot of people wanted uh, Kilmarnock gone because they didn't consider it a good away trip. No, it's just Harps and Aberdeen, which you understand. Hamilton as well. Hamilton, Hamilton wasn't a good away trip either. It was like walking through that. I still, I'm still pinching myself. Hamilton got relegated, to be honest. Like, you like cockroaches in an atomic war, eh? They would it's survive. Like, it's like just despite everybody that would resist. And now they're even struggling in the first division. Is that right? Yeah. So it's, it's but, bizarre. But that wasn't a good away trip. No, it wasn't. To, to I mean, walking through that multi-storey car park to actually get to the way end was utterly right, bizarre. Sure. For the younger guys who watch this podcast, I'm going to read, I mean, this game, Celtic will beat 2-0 with two goals by Paddy Connolly, who was a, a United hope at this point. 
and he's probably more famous for the phantom goal against Partick Thistle, Aye. where I can't even remember the referee's name. That he didn't give it. Les Mottram. <laughs> Les Mottram. Aye, I'll tell you, don't worry. <laughs> so, Paddy Connolly scores two Maniac. goals. He's, he's 19 at this point. He scores two goals in the 36 and the 44th minute. The attendance at Tanadice that day was 16,635. That's there a phenomenal go. attendance as well. When you when you look at it's only now, only Hibs and Hearts can get any Hibs, mm-hmm. Hearts and Aberdeen can get anywhere near that. Aye, I mean we're personally now, and 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 when you see the capacity of a stadium, exactly that means that it's not going to be that on the day for whatever reason segregation. I think your your, your best is 14 and a half now. Mm-hmm. You know, if we've got a uh, like an away team that's going to fill the, the fill the bit as well, uh, or li- like the derby last week, uh, uh, the derby a couple of weeks ago, it's like even they've taken away the shed from Dundee. I think it's going to be permanent now. Just it's one of those like if we can fill it, why are we giving it to you? Eh? Uh-huh. I mean, it's you can moan about it, but you look after your own club. Eh? Uh, I but even then, it's 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 sixteen. Wow. Well, I think when I first started going, I, I think technically it was maybe about twenty one thousand, mm-hmm. and it was always the the, the record was twenty eight against Barcelona, the first time round, uh, by sixteen thousand. But before I bring up the, the Jim McLean quote, I want to talk about when he speaks about Paddy Connolly and his lack of fitness. Um, why did Dundee United change ends? Because in the early nineties, at this point, you have got the shed. You are standing in the shed. The shed is the Dundee United end. Aye. I mean, it's a good point, actually, because I've noticed, I don't know, maybe something's changed past couple of years and it, it's no longer like a guarantee that we get that now. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I, I personally can't remember, I mean, if we like won, the, well, like won the toss that day and chose not to do it, I mean, I don't know if it was the if it was the sun or, or, or whatever, I'm, I'm struggling to recall, but, but, but you're right, traditionally... We're shooting down the way, yeah. Uh-huh. And so, you know, why would you know? Mm-hmm. What I always didn't understand was it's not like this uh, slope was just suddenly discovered. It was known about for years. Aye. And I'm not believing that we won the toss every single time at Hanadise. <laughs> so it's just always seemed to be an unwritten rule that unless the sun was bad, because I've seen a few times, like, you know, you've you got to look after yourself. Aye, whatever happened, you, you, you kicked down the way second half. And, well, me, me personally, I've always sat... Like since the new like East Stand went up, that's where I sat. So obviously, but was, was, it, was there any kickback when that East Stand was built, and like the whole men knew what, it was opposite for the shed? Was what there happened? Any there? What happened was uh, when it was almost near completion, and there was an issue here because it's like so we've got the shed, but the way fans are going to get this brand spanking new end. Is that what the issue was? And it was like that? so they gave the United fans the choice. I can't even remember how the vote went. Obviously, this was before the internet, so you couldn't do it online or that. But I think you had to fill something in, and basically, I think the majority must have said, "No, give us the the new one, put the way fans up there." So quite a hard one for fans eh, to uh, give uh, up their uh, territorial. Yeah. Eh? Aye, aye. Uh, for I mean, something brand new and shiny, and you know, and uh, uh, I've always said we'll never ever do it, but I would always love to see United build another East Stand. Uh, the shed end, and that would just round that ground up mm-hmm. per- perfectly. Perfect. Uh, but aye, aye. But that's aye. I'm not. I'm not sure what the. We're going back a while, but I'm not sure what the 
put the stats where who wanted to stay. Because you know, you know, you, you know for a fact there have been some United fans in the shed. Stay in the shed, traditionalists. Aye. I would have wanted to stay in the shed. I'm going to give the away fans the shine, the new thing we want, traditionally. I'm not really one of the ones that worries about comfort at a football stadium. Once mm. the game kicks off, aye. you know, you hear about like Italian fans that stay away, like the UV that would never go to this Dali LP. Yeah. Because they didn't like the stadium. It's, it's, it's the football team you're going to see. Aye, I know. I yeah. know. <laughs> Jim McLean, Paddy Connolly so. scores the two goals in, the, in this game, eh? And Jim McLean says after the game, Connolly lacks belief in his own fitness. <laughs> Paul Sturrock has been taking him for 20-minute cross-country runs because 20-minute cross-country runs because he had glandular fever. We were a bit soft with him, but in, but really it was just because he was lazy. <laughs> now his attitude is much better. And he said that after I mean, he says that after pa- a 19-year-old Paddy Connolly scored two goals, two, goals two goals against Celtic. So he basically calls the player lazy, and now he's got a better attitude. Aye, that's pretty much as much a compliment I think you could have got for wee John. Mm-hmm. You know, just I don't know if you remember the one. I think it was Motherwell, and we were beating them five now at half time. Mm-hmm. Dice, maybe five one, and he he find the players, he find the players because they never went and scored any more in the second half. It's, it's, it's maybe like kind of urban urban myth or something, but it's Jim McLean. Aye. I believe it. You can tell me anything about Jim McLean, and I'm believing it. Nah, we went. <laughs> Well, well, this was actually a quote from, from a, a report by Kevin McCarra. So I'm, no, I'm, I'm virtually sure that Jim McLean did actually say this. Quite official, aye. The viewers are probably wondering why I've picked a defeat for Celtic to start off with. But this is a massive game in Celtic's history as well. And I'm wondering if you can maybe guess if I say to you, Roy Aiken had recently left to go to Newcastle. So... This was Maybe. somebody's first game as captain for Celtic. Oh, stepping up. Stepping and up. Let's, let's, I mean, it's big, big boots to fill, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. The player uh, that stepped in was Paul McStay. Yeah, this McStay. is Paul McStay's first game. Wage was McStay, so he would have been back oh, back then. He would have been 26, maybe, oh, so. at, at that point. Eh? So, so this was his first game as captain. Imagine so that. So it's, it's a big moment for Celtic fans, even though... Football's about to change at this point. The English Premier League's about to start. Celtic are about to go into a period of down, downhill, mm-hmm. which McStay's captain says always remembered by. But the fact is, this was Paul McStay's first game as Celtic no, captain. I never, eh? never, never, so, never, never knew that. So Aiken moved in. Uh, Aiken moved in the summer. Aiken moved in the winter. In he, the winter. He, he, moved, he moved to Newcastle. I think oh, November sorry, or December. Sorry, sorry, it was January eh? game, wasn't it? The uh, but and how, how did. Did McStay, these are the Celtic guys, did, did McStay just keep the captaincy from yes. when it was awarded? He was, he, he, was, he, was a, he was a club captain way, until he retired in 1997. Nah, he was a Celtic, Celtic. He was Celtic through and through. Celtic through, yeah. So. He's one of these players, he, he talked to guys, football legends, quite recently, Rio Ferdinand's been talking about him, and anybody that played at that era, you ask him who's the best player you played with or the best player you played against and virtually every one of the man will say Paul McStay. Every Celtic, I mean, we recently spoke to Mike Galloway and who's Scotland top is behind me there and he yeah, went like that. He says McStay could have played anywhere in the world. He was that mm-hmm. good at that time. Aye. He says you were coming in to the dressing room and that and Inter Milan wanted him, Juve wanted him, Sierra was the biggest league in the world at this point and, just... and, they, and they all wanted him. 
there was the big teams wanted them to go to Italy. So that this is an important moment for us Celtic fans when we had to look back, even though it ended up in a defeat. Aye. The uh, do you think the do you think the captaincy was a, a part of trying to keep him? You know, like if if, if these teams are getting linked and when just, a, just a wee extra because I know I appreciate the status of being a Celtic captain. You know, it's, I think it's, it was maybe Sonny was always destined to, destined to be Johnny. Aye, aye. <laughs> I think it was always just a destiny. The McStay family name linked with Celtic. That he was always going to be the captain. And the thing is, he was that good. But when you look at the Celtic team that day, and I'll just quickly read it out, you've got Bonner, Morris, Dovchek, Galloway, Elliot, White, Maffey, McStay, Jackanowski, Fulton and Muller. There's no many captains there apart from Elliot and McStay. Well, Paul Elliot would be a good shout, yeah, because yeah, he, so he, was, he was a player as, as well. There's no many captains there, eh? nah. so there were slim pickings, but I, I think that me saying it's slim pickings is actually giving Mc, Dane McStay a disservice. Of course I. He was, you know how it works. You, when you support another team, you only see somebody like Paul McStay. And let's remember, there was no, no many live games in those days. Aye. You literally seen him in the flesh when he, you go and went to Parkhead, Tannadice. Uh, my opinion, Mr. Consistency. He, 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 he never ever seemed to drop a level, you know? Aye. It was just like, and one of those guys, it probably was a good idea for a captain because I'm, I'm new thinking back, some you know, urging the guys around him to kick on and. Uh, we'd be mini version with Barry Robson. That was he was like when he, when he was with us. I uh, love like, Barry uh, Robson as well. Barry Robson, I always have a place in your hearts as Barry Robson. <laughs> Gave him to use and you won the league. Yeah, so it was just yeah, like, so you know, what I'm saying we were gutted like because he was like a talisman. But uh, but yeah, not having somebody like that around. I so no, I never knew that about McStay. Yeah. Uh, uh, bye. Good for Conley, the, the band. You know, anything apart from... I think, I think he's famous for goals. I can't wait to say he scored the hat-trick against Rangers. Uh, but but, but I, may be, I may be wrong. He's, he's, he's famous for the phantom goal, obviously. The phantom goal, aye. Which... For us... This just blows my mind out. For, for me, he's always like... He was always a player that was linked to us as well. <laughs> he always seemed to me because he was from a, he was he had, a Celtic background and, and he was always linked to us round about aye. that time. Uh, so was Kevin Gallagher. Darren Jackson eventually ended up playing with us. Um, so there's a lot of Dundee United aye. players. There's always seemed to be a, a, a traffic between Tannadice and Celtic Park. There always and, is. And I've seen, I've seen it with loans as well. You know, like we get Ralston off you. Uh, I think we've had a few loan, loanees over there. I thought Ralston was brown when he came to us actually, yeah, and he's no. now getting his getting his chance. So there obviously seems to be a wee thing. I don't know where it's getting Mark Namara and Donnelly in for a while as well, if that strengthened strengthened. But there's a there's a wee thing anyway. Armstrong, uh, Gary Mackay, Stephen as well going going that way. Stuart Armstrong's went leaps and bounds since yeah, he always knew he would. He was, he's just day. like you know, he, he is a player, and him and GMS. I like GMS, but at the same time, I thought GMS was made a fancy trick guy. Sometimes he just wouldn't deliver. But Armstrong was the guy that you, you knew would. You would. Uh, GMS needs to leave Hearts first for me to actually look at him in a good light <laughs> while he's still playing for Hearts. Um, <laughs> we spoke about the football change, and it's 1990. We've had Acid House, Manchester. Like it's still ongoing at so, this point. Still kicking it's off. Still aye. kicking off at this point. De La Soul had an album out, Three Feet High and Rising, which was released in '89, which kind of 
summed up the happiness of that time. Everybody was yeah. saying setting summer of love was meant to be eight, but then you've got Manchester nineteen ninety. You've got Bez on top of the hotel and I be for you've got, you've got all me. of that. Yes. For me, there was a song that was released that year in 1990, which, which sums up 1990 for me, and it was Groovers in the Heart by Delight. Um, nah, that's a tune. There were a New York trio, and the, the track was basically, one of them was a DJ, and it was a mixture of, I think it's got 43 samples on it. It's got loads of samples on it. The main one being the bass line is Herbie Hancock, Bring Down the Birds. And the bass line is utterly fantastic. Q-tip for a tribe called Quest does the rap on it. And Bootsy Collins does does backing vocals on it. It's it's madness. All the things put together and how good it sounds like. All all these ideas. I think, I may be wrong, but I think that song has got something like five or six producers across the board. Mm -hmm. You know, fries my brain even to try and like six people all working on the one thing that comes out to be that song but they anything with anything with Q-Tip um, you've got maybe there because he's, uh, he's the guy's, guy's one of the best rappers out there see, see for me always yeah, has been uh, the bass line the bass line is the hook through the whole song and it's got loads of wee cartoonish like whistles and bells going off. <laughs> I just loads of just like loads of stuff that just doesn't make sense, but it actually it makes, makes sense. It makes sense <laughs> it makes in the sense. context of that le- record. Eh? It's a psychedelic record. It, it's the video psych. The, yeah, the, the video even, is psychedelic uh, as anything. Even the, even the one piece that Lady Miss Kier wears and everything that looks like it's from the sixties as well. Uh, you know, like even her hair actually. You the think hair uh, with, the, with the band and everything. Uh, uh, I know that was. Probably a good example of this. I mean, because you, you, you know, it's 1990 that was made. Uh, going back a couple of summers to 19, and some DJ, whoever it was, uh, was it defected uh, uh, the the festival they do over in Croatia, mm-hmm. and somebody played that in amongst the set. Just in the be- as the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. stage, maybe like 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and... Before the song had been played, because the beast, the beast, the beat stage, uh, the beach stage is not really few people dancing. They're all having sunbathing, having oh. drinks and all that. But when that tune came on, the amount of people that had just been lying in their sun lounge, and suddenly you could see them are up and they're their head and having a wee dance in their sunbed, and then when it went away again, just like we back like, like, down. So even thirty years, almost thirty years later, still. Still bangs, eh? Still, it's, it's still. Uh, see, see, for me, it's one of these songs that can't be remixed. No. You couldn't make that any funkier than what it already is. You couldn't do anything to make that song better. Well, that's the thing. Somebody, I don't know if you're aware, somebody, I don't know the name of the, the, the woman singer, uh, but they've done a remix, no a remix, they've done a cover. Mm-hmm. 
and it's so close and that's that's probably the best compliment you know you don't want to make it any different and instead of Q-tip it's Black Thought for the Roots and his rhyme is really good as well uh-huh. uh, it's it's a good cover but that's because it's literally just you, 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 couldn't, have, you couldn't rip it apart nah, there's no nah. way you can rip that apart you try to slow that bass line down or take that bass line and do something else with it nah. it's not working no, it's, it's, really, uh, it's really not working for me it's a song that perfectly captures a lot of songs that capture 1990 um, I'm a mere Manchester guy and you're a mere electronic music guy but if somebody says to me name a song at Hingley's that sums up 1990 I'll go well a song that was a massive hit was Delight Groovers in the Heart right. and as you say you can play it 30 years later and it will still and fill was, a dance uh, floor absolutely but you're uh, you can and 20, 20 years from now same result it's one of those songs that was nothing ever like it before mm-hmm. and there's never been anything like it never and that's what sticks out eh? if some bands try to copy it the Avalanche the Hanks Fat Boy Slim's got a bit of an influence in that but there's been nothing, nothing to touch nah, it nothing nah, to touch it nah, whatsoever it's, when it's that level of genius you just you just leave it alone eh? definitely you, you, always, you always leave genius alone <laughs> and with that we'll move to 1996 1996, it's coming home. <laughs> the, the Euros that year always, always comes comes to mind. It's coming eh? home. And also Celtic were home. At so it even says in the back of the book at the very bottom. Oh, so it does. It's, cool. it's coming home, but Will Zico. <laughs> uh, fantastic. Uh, Celtic were also home at this time as well. Uh, the 10th of March 1996. I had to bring up Johnny. Celtic and Dundee United have been used, have been involved in some so many two ones and yeah. late goals. Late goals and, and late goals. So many that it's almost unnatural. I uh-huh. would say, yeah. You know, they're low averages, but then they're Celtic and Dundee United the two and ones Dundee and late winners. But so I'm a better. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, so, sorry so this is a quarter final of the Scottish Cup and there's only two stands open at Celtic Park you've got the, the north stand which has just been built the main stand and also there's a temporary stand behind one of the goals which is just mm. basically like park benches and otherwise it was like a building site wasn't uh, it the, the park's a mess the park is a park, mess yeah. what I didn't remember about this game and when I started researching it I forgot you were a first division side mm-hmm. at this point mm-hmm. uh, we were a first division I, side I, I really did forget that and it wasn't until I watched the highlights back I was there that day I shouldn't really need to watch the highlights back so now I watched the highlights back just to see mm-hmm. jog my memory and, and stuff like that and I'm going a first division side I, I wouldn't have. somebody would have said to me where were Dundee United then I said oh, they were top top league Aye, they, 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 were, like they were the top league Um no, and, and you look at your side you do look at your side Maxwell Perry Elvis Welsh Malpass is still there Aye. Winters Dave Bowman's still there he was still there six years before as well uh, Johnson Owen Coyle Gary McSwiggan and Brewster when you look at that team that's a top flight side <laughs> that's a decent team that, that's a top flight side I mean I think when we got relegated I think we speculated a wee bit. I mean, don't get me wrong, some of the players got us relegated, but uh, I'm sure McSwiggan came in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we needed goals to get us out of, this, uh, get us out of that league. But, that's, I mean, from from back to front, that is a... That's a team, aye. But yeah, we were, we were, that was our wee adventure 
that's all it was one season. I actually quite enjoyed that that, that season only because we got up at the end of that. Don't, end, don't get me wrong, you only enjoy it because you're like, I got to all the different pubs and grounds and all that. But at the end of the season, you're like, well, I don't really want to go back to them next season again, though. Aye. But, aye, the, uh, but that was a disappointing day considering the circumstances and that, you know. I, I like that you say that. I mean, <laughs> you speak about relegation then and go, we've got to go to different pubs. Some of the Celtic fans will never experience that. We probably will never mm-hmm. experience that that sort of adversity. Aye. When this is getting formed, I didn't came in, folk have got to watch it. We're in a bit of a rut at this precise but moment in time. Aye. Aye, so, but, we, but it will come good. Trust me, I didn't think you are going to see the uh, Breaking City Pies, which are excellent, by the way. But there you go. Aye. It's these wee things when you go to the lower Aye. divisions. Yeah, you're watching a lower uh, standard of football, but... There is perks. You get your car parked easy. You got a, you got a pint in a new pub. You get a pint in a new pub, Aye. stuff like that. You get some uh, home scran that's no like being shipped in with big caterers and that. Mm-hmm. But the football is also not that good. So. I need to ask you about Ali Maxwell. Ali Maxwell broke your heart in the cup final. Then all of a sudden he became your goalkeeper. How did you feel about that? That's the that's the eternal problem for a football fan, isn't it? We've all probably had it. I mean, I don't, maybe not so much Celtic, <laughs> Celtic Rangers, I suppose. But aye, Maxwell. We've had the, the Scott McDonald. We've had Scott McDonald ending a title for us, then then coming and being aye. a decent player for us. Aye, you know, I've I've had a few Billy Dodds is one that really sticks out to me because we we hated the guy for Dundee Aberdeen, mm-hmm. and he comes to us. Ben, I'll no get away from Maxwell. I mean, Ma- Maxwell, because if you remember right. This is the time we were yet to win the Scottish Cup. Right. You know, we didn't win it till 1994. And was it the 87, the Motherwell Cup final? 87 or 88? I can't remember. M- Motherwell, was it no 92? Sorry, 90, 96. Sorry, 90, sorry, 90, sorry, 90, so you've so won the Cup in 1995. Ni- so we won aye, 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 aye. No, it was 94 against 94, Rangers. Aye, uh, Rangers had a double treble that we, we blew on the last day there. Thank you for that. Aye, obviously somebody uh, came along uh, and actually uh, got uh, one. Eternally grateful for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, aye. The but it's a classic case that once they, my opinion, when they put your shirt on, it's like a clean slate. Unfortunately, if they start off badly, then it's it's, it's yes. tougher for them. Eh? But I mean, somebody like a Billy Dodds, hi, hi Kenny Miller. Aye, <laughs> somebody like a Billy Dodds, he scored a hat trick in his second, his first, his first full ninety minutes. Welcome, welcome, Billy. You know, Aye. <laughs> they're fickle. Eh? Football fans, they're there or they're there, and they're well, never there. Eh? Extremely. I've, I've seen it. I've seen it for you guys for the past two months. To be fair, like, uh, mm-hmm. so I Ali Maxwell, and I mean, I think he was a, he was a good keeper at the end of the day. Yeah, uh, I can't help but feel if he was, if Maxwell was in goals by the time we got promoted, he must, he, he must have been. Uh, but he put off a few good saves that day at Parkhead if, I, re- if, match, I, if right? I remember right when forget you... what we're going to talk about in a minute the actual first 15 Celt- minutes he has four saves Celtic had a lot of chances that Aye. day it's like despite the fact we were winning me getting away from Celtic were when... <laughs> like on, all, all over us eh? and you're right when he you... saved that game for being over before 
for me, it's a tale of two goalkeepers. Uh, in the first 25 minutes, Maxwell has four or five great saves to stop us going one nothing mm. up. He doesn't make them saves. The game's over. I completely v- v- done. V- virtually in the first 20 minutes. Yep. Then Gordon Marshall and goal for Celtic that day decides to go for a wee wander and bring down Owen Coyle, I think it is. I think, I think uh, it's called... No, Brewster. 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 Uh, Brewster. Nah, Brewster he and he doesn't just bring him down, he actually lifts his foot. He, he, li- <laughs> he lifts his foot. <laughs> he lifts his foot to bring him down as well. Because the argument was, I mean, you know, once again, the mentality of somebody like me over the years going to somewhere like Glasgow... Your expectations, as you know, this is the flip side for our fans. Your expectations are look on Saturday or Sunday. I thought we'd have got a penalty and a sending off, but we've got neither. If you remember right, Marshall didn't even get a card for that. I know it's and it's just like it was a sending off, man. Come on, you've gave the penalty. I'm, I'm sure my my. 20 year old self would have says oh that was the correct decision but now, <laughs> look, but now looking back on it I'm going aye. how did he not get sent off aye. why did he, he not he even, even get booked it's like I even remember the commentary is like I think Marshall's got a problem here you know given it's all like, brown commentary well, aye. well aye, he, he might have done but Scottish referees <laughs> not ridiculous so penalty but nothing no, you're, you're, you're fine mate we'll just forget the fact I know that, yeah. as I say looking back on it now I'm like that's weird yeah. how did that know it's last Martin like I've seen he's lifted his leg it's hardly a, a clipped him no it's like you just, just, just and, stopped him and see from a Celtic point of view Johnny sending off Gordon Marshall probably would have done us a favour <laughs> <laughs> like, um, he, he's no fondly remembered as a Celtic that, goalkeeper right? uh, he, he, he always had a mistake in him and for us when we look back on Tommy Burns' side, what a fantastic side. The side more warmly remembered than some teams that have actually won stuff for us because of the football that we actually played. They were almost like a, you know, not a direct comparison, but you remember Brazil 82. They never won, exactly. but they entertained people. Eh? Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. it's like... And, and and you're right with that with that with that Celtic uh, that Celtic side. There's some I mean, there's if somebody says to you, name the Celtic League Cup winning side in 2009 at Bet Rangers in extra time, we would struggle. But they say name the name Tommy Burns' Celtic side uh, and we go oh yeah that that's that Celtic side there. Yeah. For me that's what that's one of the reasons that I do support right. Celtic. We've got a romantic way that we want to play football I mean uh, unless but, I'm wrong did you know at one like at the, in, in the same game Tannadice specifically have De Canio Cadet and Van Hoydonk all on the pitch at once and Andy Tom it's <laughs> like you brilliant know. even thinking about that you it's know. absolutely brilliant for me Tommy's weakness was goalkeepers uh, during, mm. his, during his time at Celtic, he had Pat Bonner, who was a veteran by, by that point, Gordon Marshall, and he eventually ended up with Stuart Kerr. And three of them just weren't up to the task Aye. of being a Celtic goalkeeper, unfortunately for, for Tommy. Um, Owen Coyle takes a penalty kick and he misses it. And he misses it. <laughs> scores the rebound. Uh, Quite, if I remember right, it was one of those Brewsters tried to get himself in the mix. But he's made a nuisance of himself. He made his nuisance of himself. But by doing so, he's, he's need the ball in front of Coyle, who's just Coyle. like, cheers uh, on. Aye. And that was that. But, you know, this is, this is the days where you go one up, one nil up at Celtic. You're just waiting on the Alamo after that then. You know, you've seen it before and you're going to see it the next time you play there. And, well, so... The, 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 the thing is, Johnny, I'm going to need to mention Owen Coyle's hair. 
because it was such a tremendous bushy, bushy hair. He actually looks younger. He looked younger in his age at this point right, than he did. There was one thing I noticed. Dave Bowman as well always reminded me of somebody who, not remember the Hitman and her. Aye, Pete Waterman. Pete Waterman and, and Michaela Strachan. I always used to picture David Bowman standing behind him in an Essex nightclub <laughs> dan- dancing away, eh? and ju- just with that long ginger just, hair. It was like, you know, it, was the way, it wasn't quite a mullet, eh? but it was Aye. just like, you still had to be a bit... Loved, loved Bowman. I think he's, I think he's still at Tannadice now doing stuff, eh? but ah, he's not somebody I would have went in for a 50-50 ball with. Put it that way. He had some amount of one-club guys round about that time, eh? Aye, guys that just stayed their whole career. Well, right? That's probably because they signed a contract and couldn't <laughs> get away after that. It's like, uh, 15 years, mate. <laughs> signed it. Uh, yeah, no, 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 we did. I mean, it's, it's a difficult thing to see these days, but I mean, I could rattle them off. Like, like, like your Malpass, your, your Neri. I mean, Malpass. Had- it's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Two testimonials. I mean, when you get two testimonials. Definitely. It says, oh, wow. Aye, aye. So, the, so far, as harsh treated as so-called Jim McLean must have, I mean, suppose by 96, McLean, McLean was gone anyway, yeah, but the, uh, I think it was Billy Kirkwood was the manager. Players obviously enjoyed the club and the surroundings aye, and aye. the homely feel of it. And, uh, I think it must have been something like that. It's one thing I always remember about Dundee night, they always seemed to have longevity and, and, and like consistency of their squad. There was always players that would come back and go, are you still there? Uh, and there would never be there would never be anywhere yeah. else. We didn't really do nothing after you scored the penalty. The first half hour we've battled you, you, you went one nothing up, and then we've really struggled after that. All the chances I can remember is at the building site end. Is at the building site end. I, there's no chances at all in the second half Aye. until we get a free kick, and the the, the difference makers on our side. Big Van Hoydonk manages to outjump uh, nah, the boy Welsh a, a, and, sco- and score a great goal. It was goal. a bullet header, wasn't it? It was a, it was a, it was a good header. It was his ball, put it that way. Uh, when it comes across there, uh, forget everybody else. For, I, for I'm, all I'm, the I'm faults of Van Hoydonk, and he went, proved to be a infant terrible in nearly every club that he went to after us. And he, we fell out with us at the end of the season as well mm-hmm. because he wanted a pay rise. 
he was a good striker. Then he goes to mm. Feyenoord and basically wins him the UEFA Cup. Great free kick taker. He's probably more welcome at Celtic Park now than what he was then. He was. then but no, no guarantee. There's no taking away. We wouldn't, we wouldn't get a Pierre Van Hoyland now coming to Scotland. Aye. There's Aye. no way we would get a Dutch international coming to Scotland Aye. after scoring 20 goals in the Aye. area division. So, There's no, way. Oh, no, no, of course not. No, they're, 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 off, they're off bigger leagues after that, but Aye. the uh, change, change days. I mean, I, I see he's getting uh, Van Dyke. You know, that was, a, that was a bit of a coup when you, when you see what that guy turned out to. So... We, we, we gems, eh? You just, you just, you just got to look nowhere to find them, eh? It's interesting from a, an opposing fan point of view that you mention the three amigos, as we called them, the eh, Canio, Cadet, and Van Hoydonk. Nobody ever mentions Andy Tom, and Andy aye. Tom was the first one, the first of these European aye. breakthrough players a, for a day. Aye, that's a boy with a pedigree. Yeah, it's just, oh, that, it was like, you know what? I think, I think just because the other three for their own ways were. Larger than life, Andy Tom had that. Just, just get the job done. Eh? German, East German, East German mentality. efficiency. Yeah, uh, just like I didn't need that. to be causing all bother. Like, you know, getting everybody looking in my direction. If they look at me, it's because I've scored a goal. Or when you look at this one and goal, Owen Coyle loses the ball in the middle of the park, and it's not a pass. I can't remember who tackles him for Celtic, but he just. Tackles Coyle and the ball bursts through. And it's off there now. There's no other player on that park apart from Andy Tom scoring that goal because he was the only one with that pace to take him away from the on Washington the United, the, the, the Dundee United defenders that were trying to rush onto him. If Aye. that ball had fell to Van Hoydonk, Van Hoydonk's no scoring. He were unlucky that it fell to there was, Tom. Aye. There was a wee period where I thought, I can't remember who their defender was, but it was one of those ones like, you want to take a red card? Feel, feel free to step in and take a red card here, mate. But, nah. I didn't think to go near him. You maybe didn't he? It's maybe the, you uh, know, it's, it's like, I'm always like, when, you, when it's a one-on-one situation, if you can just avoid it at the last minute, just take, take the red. Especially in a cup tie, when you went into the 90th minute and there's a replay at Tanadice coming up. Just you're, you're going, just, just, just. you're maybe being a bit harsh. I haven't watched it back. I'm going, neither of them were actually uh, anywhere near him to actually have that. That but, thought to try and do that. But I'll be honest, see, because, well, Van Hoydonk, eight, 89 minutes, was he 89? 89. Right? And I actually turned and I said to my mate, stu- stupidly considering the, the parkhead experiences, I turned and I said, oh, well, replay, replay through the week then, eh? <laughs> and, and then when Tom scored, he looked at me, he was like, no, it's not. <laughs> What was it like being in that wee corner at Celtic Park? Because obviously you've just got a one main stand and it's like... It's kind of, it's just what... You know what, it's no different to what sort of Ibrox sort of would get, you know, get you just like... I have to say, you know, if you... I mean, when you're an away fan and you go to Ibrox or Parkhead, I suppose it all depends on who's above you. But it could be an uncomfortable afternoon, eh? Just like you're just a thousand of you who's just stuck Aye. in that wee bit, you know... Had pat pies and everything pelted down for Ibrox, like you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was just, I don't know, it, it, it was one of those days where we're the first division club, so suddenly it's like, oh, you've got a chance to fucking, to, you know, to you go. You had quite a large support that day. Sorry, you, I, you had quite a large support that day because you have to give more tickets to fit in the Scottish yeah, Cup at that yeah, time. Yeah, because of the. Or you did at that time anyway, I'm not too sure if that's still the rules. The, and you had a great bounce when you scored when you have a look on it on the, and then it the was, highlights and then it was just the <laughs> usual heartbreak after that 
But and that's the thing, no matter how many times it happens, it doesn't make it any easier. You don't need to score gah. It's just like no game. Aye, I know, I know. I remember the eighty eight cup final. We were Aye. in the family enclosure and th- this is this is a bizarre story. And there was only a f- a, there was a family of Dundee United fans in, in front of us. And obviously McAvenny scores a winner. And there's one of the Dundee United fans in front of us, inconsolable. And my dad walks down to him and the family and says, oh, I'm sorry it was used again. Like, he was oh. really, really apologetic it was used, used again. Bizarrely enough, the guy that was greeting, there was two boys there, one of them was greeting, one of them was fine. The boy that was fine, I worked with him uh, 12 years later. Just bizarre, and we didn't know each other, and we got talking. He was a Falkirk fan, actually, still is a Falkirk fan, and he mentioned that story, and I went, "That was me and my dad." I was like, "I was there." That was me and my dad had that conversation, which I found really, I found really bizarre. That's that's small world, yeah, but Uh, definitely. Just obviously, he's just. You were just another line on, you know, I, I fully believed in those days that you could have given us a second division team and we would have still gotten beat in the cup final at Hamden. It just Aye, seemed to I, be, the team we had and what we won doesn't stack up. It doesn't stack up. It's no. a shame, eh? It doesn't stack up. It's a shame, but it doesn't stack up for the fact that we just couldn't win cup finals. St Mirren, Motherwell, it's just used twice. I think it was 85 and 88 when McGarvey scored. Uh-huh. Uh, McGarvey and Provan. McGarvey Once Provan. again, we're winning one now. Last five minutes or something. I don't know what that was, but I know it was late on. It was late on, aye. And the, the winner was late. Mm-hmm. I remember Hamish McAlpine, no bother to go for it. Hamish McAlpine, who also played for Celtic. Did he, aye? Yes. I, I didn't know that. Aye, Hamish played for He's... Celtic in a pre-season in 88. Right. He just played wee, for Celtic. Just a wee fill in, just for a game aye, or something? it was only for a couple of games. Hamish I mean, McAlpine played for Celtic. Because, I mean, he... I mean, he went to. I played for a few after us. I mean, I know he went to Reith Rovers, and but you, you actually see him at hospitality match day mm-hmm. in Tannadice. He's, he's still a character. Like. Again, me and you grew up during the eighties. Eh? Hamish McAlpine was always a great panini sticker. <laughs> Just with that moustache and, and, and the way that he looked. Swing, he used to swing on the bar and stuff, and. Uh, I've seen him take the odd penalty now and again as well. I like to be like to be penalty. I like to be penalty as well, but. Uh, He's, he's a character. It's uh, always the same. Have you seen the Twitter um, the Twitter feed where the guy says, what age do you think this football is when this picture is taken? Yes, yes, aye. Why did guys in the 80s, when they were in their early 30s, look like they were 50? Because that's the thing. You know, the tendency when you're a wee boy, anybody older generally has a big man type of thing. But, uh, but still, I mean, the amount of years difference between me and Richard Goff is probably not that bad. Mm-hmm. But yeah. He looked far he's older. Ju- ah, he's got the he's got the, the kit on. He's obviously a he's obviously a man, a giant man. I'm just Aye. just a wee kid at the game, eh? but I don't know. It was just something I, about that. It's, it's just it's, like they just take on such a, a higher bit of importance. I remember even like when I would see away teams come in and all these guys like Miller and McLeish that I'd never seen in the flesh, and you know, I don't know. I don't know if the shed is. I don't know if you had it at Tanadice, but we had a old days. You had a, like a wee wall right at the front of the stand, of the, of the terrace, and, and it went along, went along the, the front of the shed, and it meant you could sit, uh-huh. like the kids, uh, kids so the kids could go sort of like, the wall, and, and basically, you, so it was rosy kids. So you're seeing somebody like a McLeish coming to get the ball for a uh. throw, and I'm just like, size of the boy. 
<laughs> I know. They I, just, they had, they just they, they had become something to you that one, you one know, of was the, flesh and blood at the end I, of the day. I remember meeting uh, Craig Burley and no believing the height of Craig Burley because he looked wee and stocky on right. the pitch. Aye. And I met him, it was at and a Celtic Supporters Club function and he's over six foot and, right, and he's built and you're like, wow, I didn't, didn't really expect that. And as you say, but in the 80s, when you're seeing these guys coming up to pick up the ball, we're not seeing them as much as what we're seeing them now on telly. We're not seeing them as much as we're seeing them on Instagram, on Twitter, or something like that. So these guys in the flesh Aye. was like a novelty. Aye. And, and they, just, they, just, they just appeared giants to you. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, no, that was a, some days. Aye. So we'll move swiftly on, unless you want to mention Gary McSwiggan's last, last minute goal. Yeah. <laughs> the following I, because season. yeah yeah cause, because obviously when we got the 96 season I was like oh I remember 96 97 mm-hmm. uh, I didn't blame you for choosing that one I was the dramatic one uh, but I, I'll always remember the, the McSwigan game uh, because obviously I mean there's a good example we've played you in the cup as a first division team mm-hmm. but then the, the season's season, ended uh, we've got ourselves promoted so we are Tommy McLean's your manager at this point. I think uh, six games and he got the job. I remember he joined Wraith Rovers. Yes. Uh, it was pretty controversial. I mean, I think we've got a habit of stealing Wraith Rovers managers. We've done it with uh, Levine as well. But I, know, I think McLean had done one game and then left. But it turned out to be a shrewd, a shrewd appointment. And for what I remember, I think... Ironically, we got to beat Yuzwa a league goal. Yes. <laughs> it, it, it was probably the goal that sealed Rangers tainted nine in a row. Yeah, right. Because that put us basically out the race eh, to, stop them doing, to stop them doing nine. That that goal and an ex-Rangers player scoring it. And it's a decent lob. We were, I think, because we've been a first division team and now we're back, it's like, right, we need to actually kind of beat a few decent teams to actually show mm-hmm. that we're like we were back as such uh, uh, the, the one thing I mean obviously apart from the low I can't really remember much about that game uh, I had two Celtic fans sat beside me you know like I, I think we've all sat in the away end at some point just so we can get to the game I've sat inside Ibrox and watched Dundee United in like the Copeland Road which is difficult sitting on your hands and everything like but there was two guys, and you know they, were, they weren't being blatant. They weren't actually shouting to be Celtic fans. They were just trying to be respectful and say, you know what, we'll see the game, but we have to sit here. But there was a couple of things just that you had said that was like give the game, give the game away. So plus, United's a wee stadium, eh? Top, so top tier. Most people's got season tickets, so you notice the people. I've never seen them before. I've never seen them before. I know they didn't realise that other people regulars notice that, but you do. Eh? So there were clearly a couple of Celtic fans, and uh, of course. McSwiggan scored and like you do like you just you're outpouring of joy yeah? you just grab anybody around me but obviously intent, intentionally grabbed these two boys I was like yeah beauty <laughs> and obviously they, they tried to do a wee half hearted boons but you could, you could tell uh, you, you, you can't you, you can't fake that you can't <laughs> it's like and, uh, a couple of minutes later they went I was just you know, just enjoy the trip back uh, uh, aye. yeah there's no animosity or that but uh, I was definitely at it by intentionally grabbing them for the goal. Like, uh, just, just like, fucking yeah. <laughs> that's, that's always the case. It's only, I'm, I was just thinking there when, when you were mentioning that. I've only ever done it being in the away ends and free grounds that I can remember off the top of my head just now. Anfield in 2003, I was in the cop. 
Anfield. Uh, Dunfermline, I've done it at Dunfermline. And Tanadice is the only other ground Aye. that I've done it. And the one in Tanadice, again, it was a late goal. Craig Burley actually scored Wim Janssen's season. And I was in the... What's the stand across for the telecameras? The big one that runs along the... Ah, uh, the George Fox. The George Fox. I was in the... It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. George Fox, I think we scored in about 89 minutes to make it 2 nothing. We were one nothing up and Burley basically sealed it, eh? And I jumped in knowing full well there was a minute left and uh, if I was getting horsed out, I am not, <laughs> not actually that bothered, eh? If I'm, I'm going to get horsed fair, out, eh? Doing the George Fox, you're going to be fine, eh? It's like if you, uh, I've seen Rangers fans doing it in these stand and that's a different proposition altogether. I mean, we've all done it. My, my worst one was, we played East Fife in the Scottish Cup. Uh, I can't remember the year. It was maybe about 96. It was, it was something like that. And they were winning 1-0, 95 minutes. They're winning 1-0. We wrote the cup. Paddy Connolly, scored, Paddy Connolly scores with the last kick of the game. And I, I was in his Fife end that day. And it wasn't a case of me intentionally going, yes, it just, it I just came through within. And as soon as I'd done it, and I'd just seen everybody looking around. And you flip it around, fairy tale of the cup, this wee team's They're literally seconds away from Dundee United, knocking them out. What a result for them. And... It's, the boss burst and then suddenly they've got a guy cheering I, I just left straight away yeah, it was just like just, sometimes you know that you've just done I, too, I, you've I, just I, went too much eh? you, you, you've just done too much we'll go to the music now 86 obviously Britpop for me this, if you look at the history books the history books say Britpop's still on at this point my argument is it ended with Blur and Vestas Oasis that was the end of Britpop and aye, everything after aye, it came after aye. that was post and it was a bit there's always 
Always got to be a label for something. Aye, else. There's, there's <laughs> a, 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 I think Britpop basically ended when Blur on the Ace basically became front page news. But there was a band broke out in 96. Guy like yourself who's been on the rave scene. Guy like, like me who had heard music for Agility Generation. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, what's that? That is a, that is a seminal album that... But then you hear Firestarter by the Prodigy. <laughs> and you're like, what in God's name is that? It was, and that, that this fires on mainstream, eh? Aye. I mean, it, it was like nothing... Well, going back to Delight, but it was quite literally nothing you'd heard before. Especially, you know, I mean, I'm going back to when... The, the difference as the years went on, because... I might be wrong, but I think the first uh, a, when I was DJing, I, I, brought, I bought him when he came out. It was called Prodigy Android EP, uh-huh. and I think that was the f- I think that was the first thing they brought out. And it couldn't be far, further away from Firestarter. I mean, Keith was just a dancer in those days. You know, you never got anywhere near the vocals. Uh-huh. You know, I think this was possibly just before Charlie. Do you know? Because I, mean? I think Charlie it was, says, a, it was after Charlie. I think Charlie says got into the charts, and then obviously you Jarrett. Other ones, everybody in the place. Char- and, Charlie and will be 80, 93. Charlie Aye. will be around about 93, and this Jilted Generation's 94, and then and fatted just, a line. So, as you can see, the way they just, the, the, way, they, the way they evolved, uh, the. They become harder. They become more punk. Punk, they, Aye, they, just, they, they just become more. It, it's, uh, and it's an utter rejection of the scene that they've come from. Mm-hmm. And Aye. that's Liam Howlett for you. That's yeah. just I'm going. I'm going to reject everything that yeah. people think we are. It's, and move so on. It's, it's a brave thing to do when you've become so well known and so well liked for doing something. I see it with DJs. You know, like some of my favourite DJs over the past few years have decided to change their sound. Eh? It's like they're going for something else, and I, it's leaving me behind. You know, because mm-hmm. it's like you know, I, I, I like your old stuff, but I don't like what you're doing now. Uh, Firestarter was just. <laughs> I'm thinking of the video right now. I mean, it, you genuinely didn't. I mean, even a video like that, that what? didn't represent house music in any shape or form. I could have seen Firestarter played at Glastonbury or something mm-hmm. like that. And all the, you know, in those days they were in their leather jackets and all that. But you know, everybody getting uh-huh. into it. It was. Uh, it's. And you know what? After that, I'd say they never. Really reverted back again, eh? They just, no, they, no, they, they just. It became Liam got harder with the stuff that he was doing. Keith Flint basically becomes a superstar mm-hmm. on the basis Aye. of that vocal and that video. And he becomes a sort of. Just like the hair and everything. The, the hair. Eh? It's just... I mean, if you were. I mean, I was 21 at this point. So seeing something like that, it's not going to scare me. No. It's, it's, not, it's not going to go, oh, that's a bit shocking, ain't it? Because you'd seen photos of the Prodigy and the NME, you know, that was a big NME. Mm. I bought the NME and stuff like that. But if you were... I, I was thinking back, and I'm going, I remember seeing Boy George on on top of the Pops and going, eh, what's, what's oh, that? Aye, the first time, uh, I, <laughs> uh, I'm confused here. Yeah, I think a lot of people then, were that so, day. So... If I was a six or seven year old seeing Keith Flint appear on my telly on the chart show on a Saturday morning, changes walk, it. Changing, <laughs> walk, walking about with, with an alligator on a chain, <laughs> <laughs> like you're going, what in God's name is that? Aye. And for that to be a breakthrough song is unbelievable. 
It's really it shows the genius of the prodigy and it shows mm-hmm. the personality of Keith Flint. Aye, just you got to have, well, you got to have balls uh, to, just to completely, you know, you, you've got a winning formula that you could just continue to just tag along, just just milk it. Maybe, listen, I'm going to change it. I'm going to change it, uh, and this is, this is how I'm going to open it. Because you've seen it, it was like, it must have been around the same time, I'm not sure which came first, but remember Smack, Smack My Bitch Up video as well? Uh-huh. I mean, that was, that was something else. And you find, oh, when be- you find out at the end, it's not even a guy. <laughs> You're like, what? Well, <laughs> uh. I refuse to believe a woman just went out and had a night like that. <laughs> I, it's like, it was almost as if they deliberately went to shock. And it's maybe, it's, I'm, I'm saying it's a rejection in the rave scene, but it could actually be a rejection of the, the bland, right, you've got Oasis tearing it up at this point, quite wild boys doing, and you've got the lad culture. Yeah. But they just seem to take, they went lad culture. Uh, you had Loaded magazine and, uh, you know, just, just, just like that. But time. the prodigy didn't fit with that either. The video for Smart My Bitch Up is not, it's an artistic statement to Aye. go, we're going to, you automatically say, there, he didn't believe it was a boy. He says, a woman wouldn't do that, and that, that was a flipping of that Aye, lad culture genius. on its head to go, what you think is not what you're seeing yeah, here, eh? yeah. And that's very intelligent for me. And that was the, I mean, and like you're saying, it was groundbreaking. By that point, you weren't hearing, and I'm sure the prodigy would have understood this and were well, you know, settled by it, but you wouldn't hear so much of the prodigy playing in a club, you know, in a night, no. you know, in a DJ set. Because they go. It's like they've done that. It's like, you know, their songs were very, they're no longer something you can include in a set list and say, I'm going to mix that into Firestar. You know, no, you're not. Aye, it's not going to work. Nobody's mixing anything into Firestar. But aye, I just thought it was admirable. And, you know, that I, hear, I think they're making... They're not bringing new stuff out recently. They are, yeah, they, uh, they are going to bring... I've seen something. Again, it kind of reminds me of when they go the metal way they, of what the KLF done with Extreme Noise Terror. They just went, we're just going to mess this up and, and then see what we can get away with here. here. It's the Britpop's here, and I mentioned Euro 96, so it's coming home in that. One of the songs that sticks out for this year for me is Be Cast, and it's Walk Away. And the reason it sticks out for me, Johnny, is because it's what the BBC played when England got put out with penalties <laughs> <Sorry>. for Germany. <laughs> That's what they played all over the, the, over the titles. And I always remember that. I always remember that for some... I, yeah, for, I, for some reason, I'm, I'm not sure I watched a different channel that night then or something, because I'm sure I've... Because I always make a note to see what songs they've picked. I remember one, it was Green Day, Time of Your Life. It was just like, but it's always something sad because they've not won it. Streets that dry your eyes in 2004, <laughs> eh? That, that's like... I'm sure a Scottish person which was that one. It's not that. I mean, Mike Skinner and that make money to misery because that, that goes massive because it's been, been used in that context. In 1996, what was Johnny Proctor listening to? 1996? I mean, that was like... Proper. I mean, I'm looking straight away, and I could see it be thin. It's totally leading me to all those, uh, all those types of songs. It, it generally, no stuff that you're getting in there, Aye. in the charts, or you know, I suppose some of these dance tunes do end up into the, uh, into the charts. Things like you know, the Tori Amos, Professional Widow, mm-hmm. is uh, Armand Helden, Armand Van Helden remix. Uh-huh. Uh, remember it, remember it. Uh-huh. You know. Things like that gets to be referenced in the book. Uh, Todd Terry, 
uh, keep on jumping, things like that. The no much that you would have fully seen in the charts. So, I mean, that's the motivation for the second book was, you know, that was kind of like a lot of the good Ibiza years that uh, that you would spend out there. And I thought, you know, may as well make a book. Ibiza now, I've been there a couple Don't of times, but obviously no since uh, lockdown and all Aye, that. Eh? I've not been for a while. It seems to be a bit American now, eh? It's it seems to be a bit Wayne Lineker buy seventy pound bottle of bottle, yeah, bottle of champagne and sit in a beach club during the day. The, to me, when I first started going to Ibiza, if you told me that years later I would be sharing the same club with Neymar and Messi, I'd be like, you know, I mean, I wouldn't even known who those guys were at the time. If you just told me like whoever the world's biggest football players were and say they'll go to the same club in Ibiza, you'd be like, nah, surely not. And then they do, and then you see it's VIP bottle service and mm-hmm. and thirty euros for a bottle of water, and you know, Ibiza never used to be like that. I've no, I've not been for a few years. Uh, it looks, it looks a challenge at times. I mean, that's it looks very Love Island. Ura, Ura, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you see the like that, it's used to be Wayne Lineker Ocean Beach. It's just, it just looks like somebody that's actually been told me it's actually just like a compound. It mm-hmm. looks like some paradise or something. It's actually a compound. With some uh-huh. beds put on it in bars. <laughs> uh, but it's a case you go there, things like... And this is totally goes against what I thought Ibiza always was. You can go to this place and f- pay whatever amount of euros. Just so you can post this on Instagram, obviously, you get showered with champagne. With champagne, uh-huh. You know, you go to Ibiza, you go to clubs and just, like, stay up all night. But I have to say, I got a wee taste of something different in the sense of me and the other half going to Croatia. That was like a six-day thing, so I mean, it was quite intense, six days in a row and everything, but the actual vibe, you, you the wee village that it's held in, if, if, if it's not for the venue, it's a quite a relatively small place, there's maybe like two pubs, two restaurants, so it's no like Ibiza, like when you're outside the festival, there's nobody drunk running about, just, mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, it was a good... Uh, uh, it was a good alternative, and I come away from the six the, the six days uh, a defected saying, you know what, I had a better time here than a, <laughs> than defected, a weekend, the defected the, festival. The eye they just put on the whole thing themselves, uh, uh, and you've got three stages. You've got the afters. Uh, this it's like a massive open air club. I think it holds about five thousand people. Barbarellas, so you could quite literally be on the go till six o'clock next morning, and that's like six days in a row. It was. Quite hard, quite hard going at times. Still in Croatia Romero. was always seen as the next place. Eh? It's, it's a really nice place, really friendly people. It's really cheap. You know, like you get fleeced in a beer big time, mm-hmm. like a beer, a beer that uh, defected despite being a festival was working at about two pound. Mm-hmm. You know, I was at a warehouse project in Manchester two weeks ago, and it was uh, five pounds fifty. So there's a difference. There you go. I mean. There you go, lads, a recommendation. Aye, aye, but... De- the defected, defected in def- Croatia. And Tisno. I think we should have a scream of Selica night out and defected in <laughs> Croatia. Six days rave. Doesn't um, sound like Croatia outside anyway, does it? I'm, I'm into that, I'm into that. <laughs> well, we'll end 96 here and we'll move on to Naughty now. Naughty. The year 2000. The 30th of July 2000, to be exact, that we're back to... The end of the previous season, the 99-2000 season, Celtic ended against Dundee United at Celtic Park. 
a 2 nothing victory when bizarrely enough Jim Goodwin made his debut for Celtic the one and only game he ever played <laughs> for Celtic right? John Kennedy played as a 16 year old but on the 60 odd minutes I can't remember the minute Henrik Larson came back from his leg break and Leon played 15 minutes and was took to the, the Euros uh, uh, so right, that right, was right. The, the reason first game of the following season five past six on a Sunday night Sky now really getting involved in the Scottish game yeah we go to Tanadice. A beautiful night. It's beautiful. beautiful night. It was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful night. The attendance that night was 11,761, which I still think is a decent attendance for five past six. Yeah, why? On, 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 on a Sunday that's on TV. Uh, it just shows you, though, because what I'm saying about that, that stadium holds 40 and a half, but even when it looks pretty full, mm-hmm. you still end up with attendance that says something like 11 or 12. Oh, 11 like, or 12,000. But. Uh, I mean, that's it's a night I remember well, just be, because of all those sort of components, like you're saying, it was a Sunday night. It was, uh, it was, was it the first day? It was the first, it was the first, first, first day of the season. Of the season. Yeah, right, day, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was why it was six o'clock. Uh, would I be correct saying it was Martin O'Neill's first league, yes, league game? Martin O'Neill's first league game of Celtic Manor. It's like we've got this thing with Martin O'Neill, done. You know, you know, you always get this with, with certain teams. First, first league game, and then. His last game, his last in the game. Scottish Cup. There's like, you know, so it was the same team. But yeah, I always remember that. Uh, Even though we won that cup final, it's still one of the worst cup finals <sighs> I've ever been at. I still think Alan Archibald hit the bar. I hit the bar. That's it's right. Just huh? like I was right behind the goal, and it was like it's in, it's in, it's in. No, it's no in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, one of the things I remember about that night is none of us wore your shirt, your, your home shirts. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure if you were pushed into wearing your shirt. Because we wore green. Because we're the home team, so obviously we could have wore tan- tangerine. Why if we did you wear green that night? Because there's a f- there's a few explanations. Because of the because I've been writing it was like two thousand two thousand nine two thousand eight uh, uh, sorry two thousand two thousand and one season. It was it was it was basically a wee bit of homage to Dundee Hibernian. It was like. Uh, which I think it was within 20 odd years we played under before changing. So it was like, a, 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 and I, I think we've done it for two seasons. I'm sure we had two different tops. And I'm pretty sure because it was a new shirt, we were like, we want to wear it, probably want to sell it. Was <laughs> so it a one off kit or was it your away kit that season? Oh, no, it was a away kit. It was a away kit that season. Aye. aye. Uh, and I'm not sure if it was to do with some centenary or something because obviously we, we've kind of had two centenaries because we've had the Hibs one. Mm hmm. And then we've had the then then we've had the. Uh, it would maybe then be the centenary of Dundee Hibs. And aye, maybe aye, because it was. That. You know what? Aye, I think I'm bad with dates, but I think Dundee Hibs could have been 1918, 19, uh, 1918, 1919. They were, right, they were so, formed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, sorry, uh, try to work it out. But that, that, that was the reason anyway. And I'm assuming because we wanted to wear it, being the new top, we want to show it to everybody. User pushed into wearing the, the gold ones. But, which is fine because we love that kit. That was a nice kit. We, we, we actually love that kit. That kit signifies a, a great season for us, that kit. And, and they've never actually tried to remake it. Uh, no. like they've never had, nobody's ever went well we'll go for that yellow that gold and green because so you just get that now and again where they will go back and they'll, they'll, they'll revisit something that's one thing yeah. I remember about Dundee United in the 80s he's always had great kits mm. the Adidas the simple Adidas, Adidas template kits with VG on the front of it oh. I just one that sticks out in my uh, mind uh, 
the Adidas ones were absolutely minted, like, you know, and then it just, there was a slippery slope after that. So some of the makers we've had, I still don't know who the company is. Asics. TFG, I don't know, still don't know who TFG was. The 96 game we spoke about was Pony. Pony. Lucky, I think it was one, it was Lucky, I think we'd booked her once. But, nah, since the Adidas tops, I mean, yeah. That was the pinnacle. That was the pinnacle. Would the things I would do to get United back in Adidas. Back to the Adidas. It was just simple. It was a simple. The colour scheme, the orange and black colour scheme, actually goes, and it's like just looks classic. When you when you look at Dundee United in the eighties, and especially like the the eighty eight cup final, the eighty five cup final, and that that kit is just perfect. And we should never, we should never have been removed from all this gearish stuff that oh. we've got now. And <laughs> well, horrible. this is like you know, it's the the current United top is, I'd say, it's about fifty-fifty split with the fans. As some think it's smart, and other ones just think it's like, well, like me, I think it's like heinous. It's you know, why always wanted us to have a wee polo shirt top. I thought that would be really cool. Hi. So they do it, but it looks like somebody's like Wolverine's just slashed the sides of it, and it's Aye. just it's. But a lot, of, a lot of guys like it, and it's like fair, fair, fair enough. Eh? That's that's what football tops are about. I'm probably more traditionalist. Just make it simple. Keep keep the colours. Let's leave Freddy Krueger out of things here. Aye, eh? and aye, just aye. like <laughs> I, I agree with you, Johnny. I'm, I've only bought a I've only bought a replica kit since 2007. Um, mainly because. They didn't re- they're no for me. I've I mean, always says if you were ever thirty, you shouldn't be wearing a replica kit. Me too. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's, that's that's my take yeah, on things. Yeah, and like, especially like with the name and number. Right, the right, with your name but, and number on it. Well, the cup final we were just speaking about. There's a good example actually. The cup final where uh, you beat us, you beat us one 0 uh, Martin O'Neill's last game, two thousand five. Is that Alan the free kick? Yeah. It was a free kick. Aye, the free kick. Aye, aye, aye. So, that shirt that season, I just thought it was terrible. Terrible. TFG. Aye. The round neck wasn't round. It was all misshapen. And it just was a horrible top. And I was like, but you know what? We're in a cup final. Mm-hmm. I actually want to at least maybe wear something. But I didn't know why to wear that. Aye. <laughs> Ended up, it's all thanks to you, actually. You had played Shakhtar. Shakhtar the next. Yes. And they'd, uh, I think they'd beat you 3 now or something uh, or something uh, like that. That was better as 3 now. That was a standard score. Was a standard line score. And I remember their top was just plain tangerine where the actual that's three right. stripes Adidas. Yes. I was like, that's the top. But do you think you could actually buy that? Think, internet, you can buy anything you like. Nah, no Shakhtar the next top, you can't. Apparently, you could buy Kiev. Do you know Kiev? Because they were like the premier. Uh-huh. But any other Ukrainian team. Forget it, like uh, I end up contacting just messing about on Google. Somebody had actually made a wee uh, Yahoo fan club. Like I think Yahoo gave you the option to make up fan clubs and things. And it was a shout out to Nets. Just go in touch with the boy and say, look, any chance you could tell me I could get one of the taps? I'm from Scotland. Gave him the bum. Emailed me back and he said, look, he said, just give me your size. I'll send one to you. I'm like, honestly. And then he's like, do you want to sponsor on it? Do you want to sponsor half? I'm like. Who's this guy? That's just if you get along with his sponsor. Is he knocking them up in his back bedroom? <laughs> Honestly, about five, six weeks later, there's this battered package with about 75 stamps on it and everything. Eh? Oomed up, it was the Shakhtar. The Shakhtar strap, eh? Proper, like, the, the double line and player cool. issue thing. I don't know if he had a connection to the club. So, I, you know, I sent him a United one. 
it's a wee sort of so someday someday in the next Scotland Dungeon I talk and he was saying he was going to wear it to the to yeah, their stadium, to eh? their stadium. I was like, I'm going to wear it to the cup final <laughs> and spend half the day that's summer. brilliant that's, that, that's fantastic when you it? hear wee football stories like ah, that that's brilliant talk strangers like you know the guy didn't ask me for money to begin with he says I'll send you it so therefore I didn't have to send him something back but I mean it's you know the right thing to do but uh, aye so I'm the same as you I'll, I'll buy a football top but I'll likely not buy main one I think the last one I bought was Boca Juniors because it reminded me the Lendl Aye, the Lendl the stuff, I remember that. But it's near because of things like that, rather than a current, current top. Aye, but I'm, I'm no, I've got two kids now as well, so they get the replica tops. Nah. I'm, I'm just... Sometimes I would buy them just for I, I on holiday I and things. I order T-shirts of World in Motion and stuff like that. Eh? It's like, you know, football tops. Once you go to the casuals days, eh, it was like, eh, you don't really want to wear a football top. You're not a kid any longer, and all Aye. that. And to be fair, for one football talk, could have avoided a lot of hassle. Y- you also go <laughs> over the years. Eh? You also get to a certain stage, Johnny, where your football's a day out, and you're going out after the game. So you didn't want to be kicking about in a replica kit. Aye. And so stop yourself from getting any certain places. Aye, you could, you could so you don't. So you are going dressed to the football because you're going because mm-hmm. you are going out after it. And sometimes. As you say, especially if you've got certain labels and that one, and that, it's just a, 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 it's a, it's a compass to, to be attracted. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when, you, when you look at the Dundee United team at this time, it's much changed for the 96 side. You've got Alan Coombe, uh, McCracken, DeVos, Alf, Alf, Alfro, or whatever you say that. Al Joffrey. Al Joffrey. Heaney. David Hanna, who's went back to you after playing for Celtic. So uh, Buchan, Craig Easton, Patterson, Alex Maffey, and Stephen Thompson. It's a much it's a much it's change. A clear, Dundee, uh, it's a much know, change Dundee United. Need disrespect, but it's a big cl- it's a big climb down to the previous two teams that played you. Uh, and, and it's probably an indication of life not really working out anymore for Dundee United. You know, you look at me when I started going, it was like mm. you know, beat anybody in Europe that cared to just show up and play us and uh-huh. uh, you know, then get to the year 2000 and, you know... Yeah, like, you look, look the, in the space of the 10 years, I go uh, back to the Kevin McCarra match report of the first game on the 13th of January 1990 and he's talking about how surprised Europe will be that Dundee United might not be there at the end of the season. Uh, yes, exactly. Then, then 10 years later, there's a side where you can see a, a decline. Mm-hmm. For, from a Celtic point of view, this is a point where we actually see a change in our fortunes because Martin O'Neill has now rocked up. Even even that day, we've got Jonathan Gould and goals, Big Rab Douglas hadn't actually signed for us by, by this point. Alan Stubbs, Yusval Harn, Tom Boyd, Stephen Maye, Jackie Mack, Paul Lambert, European Cup winner two years before, Eil Berkovic, Stan Petroff, Larson and Sutton. Nice. The difference in the quality of the two squads when no. you actually see it you say it out loud. Even <laughs> even if like you, you could have kept that team and we maybe bring along a ninety six team, there's still a golf there. There's eh? still a golf there. Eh? So to actually have that team up against our two thousand team, it's yeah, there is a there's a difference and I it, it, it was a we were in that period where just crazy decisions were being made. I mean, we were just bringing players from all over the world. Like, you know, we are the famous team that signed someday and signed the wrong guy. And <laughs> Aye. <laughs> 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 but, 
you know, we've, we've had a few things, and that was showing you where the the the, the decline was kind of coming because, uh, I mean, your two strikers there, Alec Matthew and Stephen Thompson. Matthew was there. No, this is the same Alec Matthew that played for Celtic on the thirteenth of January, nineteen ninety. <laughs> and has went. Did he go to use to Newcastle then? Eh? No, he went to Morton. Morton. Then Newcastle. Newcastle. Then Ipswich. And then I may be wrong because you know news, newspapers talk. They're not exactly accurate most of the time, but I understand we paid more than a million, or ruined about a million for Alec Matthew. So it's a lot of money for a Dundee United. We thought it was a coup getting a guy, you know, getting a guy for the English Premier League. Again, again, we go back ten years. Dundee United paying a million pound for somebody, Celtic paying a million pound for somebody is no, is no in the, no in the ballpark. Ten years later, the game's a wash with banks' money because it's not it's the club's not money. money. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's not the club's money. I mean, was... and you're, you're paying a million pound for Alec Murphy, seemingly. I remember St Johnston paying eight hundred grand for John Spencer. No, it was Motherwell paying eight hundred grand for John Spencer. And you're going. Where's this money coming from? It's bizarre. I mean, I, well, I always got the impression it was everybody just trying to hang on to Rangers. Aye. Coattails, really, yeah. It was like, you know, a lot of teams changed their philosophy. Look, it's like some of the guys' hips played the French guys and everything, mm-hmm. you know. Just, Susie, Susie you know, was a cracking Christophe Cockard, I mean, I remember him. He was a decent striker, David Zatella. You know, it's, I think everybody team had their wee examples of mm-hmm. signing what other, you know, Normal circumstances would have been considered pretty mental signings, but it was like, you know, some of your guys, I mean, Cameroon, Cameroonians, I don't know if you remember Missy Missy. What a name, what a name <laughs> for a guy. Missy. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> the clue's in the name, eh? Gerard Nixon, I always remember Ger- Gerard Nixon, eh? <laughs> we well, remember Golak tried to say that he was worth 20 million, eh? We were like, that's right, aye, Golak. Who could have been the Celtic manager at one point as aye, well? Could love, I even? Love Golak, like, absolutely love Golak. Could have worked for you guys, but the, uh, I mean, the, uh, you're talking about our side, you see straight away, that's the Martin O'Neill early doors team, mm-hmm. and he never really changed the philosophy. I mean, I always used to liken your defenders like Monsters Inc. or something, they were always big guys, and Baldi and Ramon Vega and. Mm-hmm. Even Stubbs, like, yeah, they were always big guys that O'Neill put, and but up front it was guys that were just would punish you in a heartbeat. There's, a, there's an like, argument about a, a style of football, and there's a winning style of football, and there's a, an aesthetically pre- pleasing style of football. And while Martin O'Neill, as you say, they had the big guys, that, I love that description, Monsters Inc. Yeah, I love that. I can, that's I, what I, I can just actually see. See them as that's the way I viewed them as because they just you know like it's st- before a game kicks off and you see the teams just like setting up their formations and you just see Celtic and they just even like Tandish you know it's like they would be up the other end of the pitch at the start of the game and I would still see them lining up and it's like imagine playing against them I know oh, do you, oh, 90 minutes getting just wouldn't it have been enjoyable Martin Neal <laughs> built a side like that it was a, it was a, the way that we, I would describe them was a team of men they, they, they were big they were English Aye. Premier League, they were athletic guys, but the jewel in the crown, it made it a Celtic side. There was a couple, actually. You had Alan Thompson, who for a period was the best left winger in, in, in Scotland, ended up getting an England cap. Mm-hmm. Very unusual for somebody to get an England cap when they're playing, there, yeah. playing in Scotland. You've got Chris Sutton, 
like him or love him, he was one of the top strikers in England, part of the famous SAS. You had Stan Petroff, who was a cracking player, who could produce moments of brilliance. But then you've got Henrik Larson, who nah, is, for me, you can argue with me all you want, but the greatest player ever to play in Scotland. Hands I, I, down. I agree. For the, for the no. seven years that he was here, no. he is. It's one of those ones that, as a United supporter, and I've, I, I, you know, I've seen Rangers Celtic so many times, and I do. I rank Larson above Loudrop, but I feel privileged to have seen Loudrop as well because the guy was... Oh, you if, know. if somebody asked me who's who's the greatest Rangers player that you've seen, I go Loudrop. Loudrop. I mean, Loudrop you know, was only here for three years, though. Henry, we had, we Henry, had, we had but, Larson for seven. But he just he just epitomised, though, in that game, you know... As far as I remember, I don't think any, I don't remember we were getting battered in the game no, before no, he scored. It was like his first day of the season. Eh, people feeling themselves out in that, and then Larson just does a Larson, eh? just as casual as you like as well. It was just that's like I mean, that's it. That's it behind those goals in the top tier, and like the view I got that day, and you, you, when it's Larson, you just you just have to just like you know you just look to your mate and just like you can't you can't blame somebody. Mm-hmm. You should have no, nah, no. Nah, the, the, the boy's talented, and he's just showed. He, on paper, you, you mentioned the disparity of the squad, but you're right. What you say in that game, it was a close game. Aye, and memory plays tricks on you. You think Chris Sutton scored a late goal, but it was actually sixty odd minutes Aye. he scored, Aye. and we basically hung on. And the, 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 this was just a change of mentality. I remember walking out the ground, going, "Well, I didn't know what I was. I wasn't there, but I remember when the game finished, going." That's a change of mentality. We would have lost that game last year. Yes, and that was that was the feeling. But then when you look at the two squads and you go, well, we should have really maybe walked that game. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a credit to Dundee United that day. First game of the season, big game on Sky. Great summer's night. It was a perfect summer's night. Aye. I think that Dundee United team think, done well that night. I think it was one of those, especially being first day of the season, like you're, you're, you know, I, one of the books I cover the first day of the season, how... Everybody's full of positivity. Oh, it doesn't matter who you support. It's the first day of the season. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. <laughs> Anything is. And there you go. And it's like it was. Uh, so well, it's disappointing to lose because, like you know, unfortunately, you play Celtic or Rangers uh, in those days. You generally, if you're going to be realistic, you know, anything can happen. You can beat them, but most of the time, you're not. Mm-hmm. You know, it was quite novel on Sunday actually to be drawn one-one with you. Half an hour to go. And, you know, fair dues, you did hit the crossbar a couple of times, but I've never had this feeling for a long time at Parkhead being 1 1 with Celtic and thinking, can we hang on for a draw? Mm-hmm. I actually was thinking, we could win this game today, yeah. You did have a chance in the last uh, minute. In the last minute. <laughs> and it's like, you always get that chance. chance. So, I mean, like I'm saying, crossbar saved us and, and stuff, but that was like, I've not had that feeling in a long time. But mm-hmm. whether that's this, the next time you go to Parkhead and the team's gelled, Maybe no. Who right? knows? But we can't. We can't argue that. Uh, but the uh, and that could have only been. When was your Ranger Celtic six two? Was that the next couple week? of weeks later? Couple of weeks later. Couple of weeks later. That that was two thousand. By this point, myself, I, I reckon the the music I'm in is disappearing. It's no as strong. I'm getting older and stuff like stuff like that. But I worked in a warehouse at this point. And it used to be Radio 1 all the time that they would play. And this song, ODB, Got Your Money, featuring Kelly's, I always used to stop when it came on just because of the, the, the breakbeat. 
that the Neptunes production Aye. came in. And it's no so much the song. The song's a good song. It's no ODB's best song by a long shot, but it's just the fact that this was a massive hit by a member of the Bhutan clan who were a massive who who, who were a, a a big big part of my life at that point. And it's a great it's a great pop song. You can actually feel Pharrell Williams' hands all across this song by ODB. In the production, it's. It's the most, like, if you were to think ODB is going to have a song on his own, it's the most anti-ODB song you would possibly ever Aye. expect to hear, right? It's built to be a hit. Aye. <laughs> you know, it's just like... It's, aye, aye. It's clearly, clearly with that, it's got everything, like, with the singing and all that, but it still blew my mind. It made the, uh, it made the charts. Mm-hmm. Choose your things, come on out. I mean, obviously, like, you look at songs that have been charged, uh, band in the charts and everything, but I, lyrics some of the lyrics it, in that is just like it's a very, very risky. Ah, uh, you know, he's talking about what Eddie Murphy showed him back at the house and stuff aye, like that. Aye, you aye, know, that's aye. not Radio One stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, even calling you know, you know, calling women bitches and stuff like that. I don't think that's. But I, I remember when it was played on the radio, the first line is always beeped out. Then the second line comes in, and as you say, the, the subject matter is. Completely Aye. off, but yeah, at the end of the day, you're never ever getting older to older to record a song and it be no, all he, sunshine he, and sunshine and lollipops. Eh? He, he goes into that character, and well, it wasn't really a character; it was it was him. Aye. Um, but when you listen to the other stuff that he, he does with the Wu Tang, like Shimmy Shimmy Ya, and Bro, you hear this, you go, like "How can you go for doing yeah. Shimmy Shimmy Ya to doing this?" Because basically, even though the Wu-Tang were massive in America, this made him massive as a solo artist. Just it, the many people that didn't even know of the Wu-Tang clan, but they know of him. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's always the way, it's like you're saying, it's not your favourite song. No, my, no, my favourite song. Uh, Brooklyn Zoo is my favourite song. Aye. I lo- love Bro- Brooklyn Zoo. But it's so far away from Got Your Money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So far away. I think it's a surprise. It's a surprising nature of this song that it jumped out when I was looking at the songs this year. I went, "Wow!" And it just took me back to this period of flying about in a in a in a forklift in a warehouse, listening to Radio One all the time. Aye. And this and song, just... that this song getting played on Mark and Lard in the afternoon. <laughs> You're going, "How can that be on daytime Radio One?" Sometimes, I just sometimes with that radio. I've not listened to Radio One a long time actually, but. You can see them changing with stuff like that, or they would play the streets. You would never have ever thought the streets would be playing on daytime radio one, but mm-hmm. it's uh, got to move on, eh? You've got to move on. Yeah, uh, but I thought it was quite funny though. Is it is a is it McDonald's that's that's, that's chosen it for their, their advert? Uh, yes. Uh, got your money, yeah. Aye. I mean, another half. We just have a wee laugh. It's just like <laughs> it's that, and if somebody else thinks KFC's chose uh, op- uh Anti up, yes, that's right. Aye, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, right, just just play the lyrics then, play the band to kidnap that fool. Aye, <laughs> aye, just go. It's it's how these songs are made the crossover. But aye. then you you look at what Pharrell Williams has actually produced. Then you go, this is the same guy that's done the soundtrack to Dis- Despicable Me. <laughs> you go, and he's done this and he's done it's, that. You're going, it's it's a bizarre mix. It's of when you see someone like you, you see someone like that. I mean, you know, be there if it's his own stuff or the Neptunes or mm-hmm. uh, 
blows your mind. I mean, I went to see Neil Rogers a couple of weeks ago and the amount of songs that guy's responsible for is just like, I mean, I'll be honest, it was more like my other half wanted to go and I was like, oh, it'll be a good night, all right, cool, cool, we'll go. But when I actually heard him, like he does his wee intro of if he's going to do the bit to do with Madonna or Diana Ross or David Bowie, it's just... The talent, it, it's, the talent it, in some of these people. It's the guitar. You know when Nile Rodgers plays a guitar on a track, Aye, because yeah. it's that distinctive a sound that, that he's actually got. But the, to end the noughties, I'm going to ask you a question. It's maybe a loaded question, <laughs> but it's one that needs answered. Who is your favourite men, men, member of the Wu Tang? My, my favourite member of the Wu Tang, Rizza. Rizzo. I answered that straight away and, and you know what he's maybe not the most colourful and all that but what a talent the man is you know mm-hmm. that's just straight away I didn't have to think about it but uh, that's extending past just the music as well though it's just all, it's just the guy's mind he's, mm-hmm. you know he, he looks to be always on the grind trying to do something I mean Raekwon Raekwon's one of the best lyrically Raekwon's one of the best rappers I mean I, I wrote a I wrote a piece about um uh, for a website. Uh, sabotage times by any chance? Was it the sabotage? Uh, used to write for the used sabotage. Used to write for sabotage. Aye, it was sabotage times, and it was t- for his new album. Uh, and I called him a lyrical weapon of mass destruction, and uh, I seem to mind he quite liked that because you know, that's a great. Isn't it? it was like you know, I just the way he just comes out with it. Uh, a lot of talents in there, but I, I've got a lot of time for the RZA. His beats the. The beats that he comes out with, and Johnny, you're a novelist. This was your first book here in '90. What was your state of mind when you decided to write the story of Zico? <sighs> the state of mind is quite a, it's quite a funny story as such because there was no dream, there was no aspirations to write a book for me. I was happy, you know, like we were speaking about earlier. I, I wrote for Sabotage Times and I a few other websites just 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 in a wee bit of freelancing and just if you ever wanted that you know pieces and it was through that one of the websites I, I worked for uh, that I wrote pieces for they were setting up their own publishers and you said look obviously you've submitted a lot of consistent stuff to us over the past few years mm-hmm. how about uh, how about a, a book because we're going to be looking to get our, you know, like a, a wee portfolio together I was like, you know what, I'll do it for a favour then, eh? Because I, I just couldn't, you know, the, the time that the, the time that consumes you writing a book, it just takes over your life, uh, and I didn't want that. But I went ahead and done it. Uh, the reason I chose the subject, I chose just a random thing. I'd been watching Quadrophenia, and the way that Jimmy just falls in love with the subculture that he's mm-hmm. in, uh, and then how it can turn sour. I just, I really, I, I like that story because it's no, it's no showing you all the glamorous part. Exactly what I do in that. I mean, I think Zico gets his arse, putting his arse more times than he puts mm. somebody else on their arse, you know. Same with drugs. It's like, I show you the both sides. It's the, you know. Uh, so, I, so I thought, like, I'm maybe a wee bit more updated version of, I mean, it's not quite an updated version of Quadrophenia, but the same sort of, the same ethos about, like, a kid who's just completely seduced by uh-huh. and being part of something. Eh? Instead, in no, the early 60s, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's 1990, 89, 90. And it could be argued, but my opinion is the year now, or sort of the decade of the 90s, or specifically 1990, but the decade was the last two sort of subcultures that 
definitely. That have come out of Great Britain. Nothing's actually... Decades since, nothing's really came. You had the casuals, you had the house music, rave, you know. And I just thought, you know what, it, it, it was a good time to live through. If, if, if you're a certain age, you, it's like we lived through the 90s, but we didn't really comment, and comment on the 90s. You know, like always the, the 60s and... Aye. It's like the 90s seems to be switched, like missed out. But yeah, it was probably the last decade that... What a really good time, eh? you, know, you know, before Aye. just life started to just... Before the internet. Uh, Let's blame the internet. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, you've got a good point there. You've got a good point because I'm in a position, I mean, I, I, know, I know a lot of people that used to go raving years ago, well, just, you know, stopped putting that in the head. I still pick, my, pick and choose, like I'm saying, go to defect and things like that. Uh, so I've got the luxury of being out back then and then being out like now. And I, and, I, and, I, and I see just completely how different it is, mm-hmm. you know. And the internet is social media. So social media. So, uh, so, uh, social sorry, media the internet is good for some stuff. Social, obviously, you're aye. watching this on the internet. Yeah, and, and you can buy my book. <laughs> on you the buy it, well. and, and, and you can buy this book on the internet as well. <laughs> the internet but, is good for some things. Uh, but you're right, I because back in you know back in those days, there was a bit more an innocent time. You didn't need to be putting on your act for. Your picture going on social right. social media, you know, if you had to make a wee arse of yourself in the pub, nobody's filming you, and then you know, it, it, it's like, uh, so that 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 that's why I that's why I attempted that. I just thought, you know what, maybe flip it. Like, I'll introduce some of my own real life experiences because there's nothing better writing a book than actually there's nothing better than real life. Uh, you know, some of the stories that your mates or has happened to you. Oh are way better than anybody could come up with fiction. You know, it's just... And so as a result, you know, like the, the quadrophenia pow, it kind of turns sour for uh, for Jimmy. I've done it but with a different spin and uh, ass and it didn't really have to turn sour, but ecstasy, acid house has come along. And this is what happened to a lot of casuals. You know, they run slap bang into this and suddenly, you know, the thought of you being in a big area where hips casuals and Aberdeen casuals and there will be any, you know, sociable and social, socialising, having a Well, it would obviously end in fights, uh, but then we come to this period and it's 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 it's, it's, no. it's, no, it's, it's no as simple as that. You hear stories about, you know what Millwall's like? Uh, like this was first-hand for a Millwall guy that I, that I know, talking about, I think they went to Birmingham one day and I think Birmingham, Millwall, that's quite a category for, for a good... And they're gone there for fighting, but basically Millwall boys were going to Birmingham instructing everybody, no trouble, no trouble, just watch the game because they want to get back to London to get out. To go out? To go out and have, have a couple of pills and just go out and to, to, like, shoom or wherever it was. So it shows you kind of change the attitude some people, and this is what that's because it, prese- it provides a conflict. Guy takes his first pal, experiences his first illegal rave and then suddenly it's like why am you running about batting people here mm-hmm. it's just me just like being a bit daft here with us and you've also got the girlfriend that's, that's basically saying he's had his you know he's a casual but he's actually had it from her then he comes back with his a few ex, a few too many uh, faces with bruises mm-hmm. and cuts and that and then his day so it's like the so it's, it's obviously it's a working class story, just Absolutely. the same as Quadrophenia is a working class story. How how has it been received received and what is 
usually seen as a middle class literary world. Uh, or, or has it no no touched that? It's, it's probably uh, you know what maybe fortunately or maybe no. I've I, I've I've never seen a, re- a review. I've not seen a bad review, put it that way. But I mean, let's be honest. Uh, you know, your book can't appeal to everybody, oh, so no, no. so so you should expect bad reviews. And that makes me think that it's maybe no touch the people that don't understand it. If somebody who doesn't understand it reads that, I'm not sure what I'm not sure what they would make of it. But if you know, you know that that type of thing. And biggest compliment I can really get is the people that's read it. There's so many times they say they felt like they were reading about themselves. Right. It mirrored who they were back in that. Which is good. Unlocks, excuse you, unlocks some of your own memories that you maybe forgot about. You know, just like, even just reading about a song, you might think, oh. I remember that. Uh, some specifically, because it's a bit of utility, but the guys who Fife, there's a few Fife boys that were in the utility and they've read it and they're like, so you just wrote that about me then, haven't you? I'm just <laughs> like, well, seems like it, but I didn't know yet. Aye. <laughs> But I, I proper working class. I mean, as a kid, he's still a, he's, he's ready to leave high school, try to get his first serious girlfriend. It's something that I guess we, a lot of people can relate. And you don't have to have taken ecstasy or being a football casual at all to to get to, to get that. I think it's a coming of age story. Absolutely, it's, it's exactly. And this is all point because it starts at the start of the decade and ends at the end of the decade, it gives you a chance to see how this thing, how this one guy has grown up mm-hmm. from a 16-year-old to a 26-year-old, you know? So yeah, it, it is it's, literally... It's a, a, a coming-of-age story. But what you've also got there is, as, you, as you're saying, the subject matter, it's appealing to guys who maybe didn't usually buy books because mm-hmm. they go, oh, I'll buy this eh, because that, that, that's... that's what I was into. That, that's what I done. That's I can guy guys guys what like that. And what I think the literary world doesn't actually realise there's a mere there's a massive mm-hmm. obviously there oh, is. Yeah. You're, you're, a, you're a popular writer, there there is a massive demand I've got, for, for the for this sort of literature. Yeah, literature. I mean I've got a guy who basically you read the next version and he like that's me and, uh, and he won't read a book. Until the next year for the next one coming out. Aye. It's just you know it's, it's just takes it on holiday. Uh, yeah, a lot yeah. a lot of people just but I, I, I think when you read something, actually you recognise, I mean, the very first page of the book, and I think this is something we've probably all had to do at some point, is the first page is he's come, f- the Zico's come home from Edinburgh and he's bought a, a really expensive jacket and now he's going to have to tell his parents how much he spent on the jacket. And just like the grief that you get, you're mm-hmm. like, you know, I could have got all the things I could have got uh, for I the price have... of that jacket. Aye. And it's like some relatable because we've all probably had to do that and just like get grief off our parents because we've because <laughs> they didn't understand. Obviously, they know they know want to wear labels like that. But but I absolutely come in age in the sense that you see literally a guy who's at high school trying, you know, loses his virginity and you know just for example aye, aye. and. I, I think you can't see the difference and I, I specifically done this because he's a kid he loses his virginity he goes through a lot but this six years later six years is a long time as you know and I specifically it kicks off in the next chapter uh, the next book and he's waking up with a strange girl beside him because he's he's a DJ now and he's, he's, a, you know, he's but the, the whole point is he's, he'd never had sex before and then six years later he's waking up with strange Spanish girls in his bed you know it's just it's uh, it's a great thing that you've managed to make 
you're a, you're a full-time author. This is this is what you do. So you've got the Zico trilogy. You've also got two other books, Muir House and you'll need to say the Spanish. El, El Corazon Valiente. Which is Spanish for Braveheart, I, I believe. Right. So El Corazon Valiente is... Corazon's uh, Zico's dad. Zico's dad. So it's an origin story. Aye. But you don't need to... If you want to buy that book, you don't need to read the Zico story no, first. It's, I mean, I, I think you would possibly, if you bought that first, you then would want to read them. Because right. you're going to be... You, you, you already know that. It only touches on things that... Because how I've done it in the book, you know, I'm not doing spoilers for anybody, but something happens to him at the end of, two, uh, the end of Naughty. And this is how I've picked up the new book, but then I go right back in time to how he got started. And it, 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 it will make people think twice about the trilogy because I'm sure they just think he's just the bad guy, which he is, but you can find out why, you know, you find out why somebody becomes a bad guy when well, it's not often, uh, so it's, it's not often sort of their fault as such. No, uh, definitely isn't it, Def- you know? definitely isn't it. How can people buy your books, Johnny? Because I can, you're an independent publisher. I, I mean, preferably always just uh, go through the website. Uh, I don't know if the camera would pick up because it's really small, but it's got the website there, Pan and Arrow. Uh, or, or or through my socials, my Instagram, my, my Twitter. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know what? I appreciate anybody buying a book from wherever, if it's Waterstones, if it's Amazon. But it does make you cry when you see what Amazon take from what you put so much hard work into. So so your own publishing company is like Pananero, Pananeropublishing.co.uk. You can get, Johnny's actually written five books, um, so you can get, you can get them there. You've got a sixth one coming out for coming uh, Christmas out. as well. Nah, I'm going to bring it Lockdown being good to you f- for writing. Aye, it's just like, you know, you know, we always say like Tarantino had a plan. He knew exactly which films. I'm not that far away from that. I've already know up to 10 books. I mean, the fact I've written six books just blows my mind. Blows you know, mind I never, up. you know, it all hinged on that. If nobody read that, then, then that's the, it. The other nine are not going to happen. Never going to happen. I'm the type of person I'm probably not like, because I didn't want to write it in the first place, so I didn't have that motivation. So I guess it would have been the, like, nobody reads that. I'm like, well, what's the point of writing another two mm-hmm. to round up the decade? There has to be demand, uh, and there was demand, like, luckily enough. And uh, that's what led to it. I mean, the second two, we're always just on the back burner. We need to see how the first one goes. And I got enough positivity to say, right, let's get cracking. But I knew, like, when I was writing that, I knew how those ones were sort of loosely going to go. But uh, I like Muir House, though, because it was a complete departure. There's There's no drugs, there's no casuals. It's just working class people trying to get by. So that was your fourth book was fourth Muir book Muir it's, it's based on it was a Twitter conversation that just got to hand one night I got told about the legendary Muir House Violet uh, Sunday League team like is it the Mean Machine like that film Mean Machine nah, yeah, yeah. it pretty much seems like there were something like that they were uh, they were actually meant to be really good footballers as well but really scary at the same time and I was getting told these stories about guys getting sent off and going and getting their car and trying to r- r- run the referee over, goalies getting stabbed and things. You know, it was just, I thought, you know what, I could, be, I could base a book around this. And 
uh, basically half and half and half, half's to do with the team, half's the, the main characters, day to day life. Mm-hmm. Where I, I think I educated uh, a few people in there of stringing a bandit, which no. uh, was based on no, no, based on me doing it, obviously, but it's based on someone I know who did that for a living, you know. So I knew about the stringing, it was just like you couldn't drive, he would pay you, he would, he would offer you half his takings if you drove him. But you had to scout out places. It's like you get your legs broken if you go into the wrong oh, places definitely, and do it. Definitely. So, so this guy, like in my book, he scouts at all the places where to go and ah, we're fine. Get, string the bandits. Here, a, a state of mind media will always want to promote independent publishers and independent artists. And Johnny, you actually tick so many boxes. It's been an utter pleasure to have you as my first guest on Scream Asselica. Johnny Proctor, thank you very much. Thank you, Kevin. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.